Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Meetup podcast. My name's Joe Glover and in this episode we'll be hearing from a very bright chap named Alex Morris. Now Alex is from a company called Lambda Films and what they do is produce video. Now for anyone who knows me as a marketer as well as a your podcast host then you'll know that I absolutely love video. The reason I love video is that I think it's just the most absolutely powerful uh, means for marketing communication that there is out there. And, you know, even though so many of us want to do it, the relative barriers to entry still make it just an absolutely precious and valuable way to communicate our messages. Now, it's all well and good me saying that video is powerful, but Alex is an absolute expert in this subject. And the reason I can say that with confidence is that Alex works throughout the world on a, a range of projects, including uh, producing videos for needy areas who have been hit by natural disaster, particularly volcanoes, which is a really specific niche. Now, um, Alex's videos have been shown to communities throughout the world, and he's been able to analyze the effects of these through sentiment analysis and uh, really what people's reaction has been to it. And that's been proved in studies as well. So the real crux of this talk is all about proving the power of video, showing how it's done. Um, and then Alex also touches on some practical marketing tips right at the end of his talk. I think it was an excellent talk. I really hope you enjoy it. If you'd like anything more from the Marketing Meetup, head to themarketingmeetup.com or come to one of our events. Presently, they're happening in Cambridge and Norwich in the UK, but as of September, we'll also be heading to London and Bedford, and then there'll probably be some more to follow after that. So enjoy, and I'll see you soon. Okay. Um, hi, everybody. Yeah, same caveats. Yeah, this was, um, uh, every, you know, I'm one of these um, kind of Mac people, um, and I've ruined the day today because I've had to do some rejigging to check everything works in PowerPoint. So um, apologies in advance if everything comes out of a bit of a funny order. Um, so that's me. Um, I'm Alex. I'm the commercial director of Lambda Films. We're a uh, video production company, and we generally um, operate in the field of uh, commercials. We make we make videos for companies um, all over the place. Uh, one of the areas that we've um, kind of gotten into is higher education. Um, and I'm getting ahead of myself because the notes and the slides are out of order. Um, so ignore that. Um, I, w I wanted to start um, by... Because <laughs> Tash did so well with not having pictures, so I've got, I've got a tough act to follow. So um, I wanted to, to kind of tell a bit of a story today. So, um, you know, I could talk about some of the work we've done, but that would be terribly self-important. I've tried to, you know, I, th I like to think that the stuff we've done in volcanic parts of the world is kind of interesting. Um, and there is a genuine uh, marketing points and takeaways to be made. So it's not just me saying, hey, look how great we are, look at this cool stuff we've done, but hopefully is an interesting frame of reference through which um, to talk about things. Um, stories are important. Stories are what we're hardwired to understand and how we pass down information. And I believe we're actually guilty of losing touch with this simple fundamental fact. And I think we're all a bit guilty of kind of information overload about packing facts, figures, numbers into things. And actually the simple act of sitting around sharing stories around the sort of proverbial campfire is something that we kind of need to get back in touch with. And I think 
Um, the videos that we make, we're obviously always very mindful of that, and I think that US marketeers should perhaps be doing the same uh, if you're briefing a client or you're looking to get something commissioned. So, as I we was saying earlier, one of the sectors we work in is higher education. Uh, we just naturally are a good fit for universities um, because, you know, we're, we're young and trendy and cool, as you can tell. Um, and, you know, their, mar their, um, their market engages with that. And they're big, diverse organisations with complex messages and they've got very sophisticated um, sensibilities. So they, it's a real challenge for them to cut through the noise. And this is where I'm from. Um, I came to the region... Um, because I went to UEA because I did the film degree there and I've stayed and I've set the company up and we are proudly kind of based from here now. Um, so one of the, in fact, one of the very first things we did was a flagship campaign for UEA back in 2010. Just to give you an idea of how old I am now. Um, uh, and yeah, that was, that was kind of one of my sort of proudest like breakout moments. And we continue to work with them um, today and even as we speak we're putting together quite a major campaign for them which is going to launch um, soon but I probably can't talk about that and it's been recorded so whatever. Um, <laughs> 2013 uh, they turned 50 years old so they decided to throw themselves a little party. This was arranged with the School of Environmental Science and here we go first slide that could go wrong. Um, it was arranged with the School of Environmental Sciences and they had volcano themed stuff, oh, it works, um, going on all day. So cakes and a actual uh, scale replica of a volcano in the Caribbean that then led on to do fireworky stuff at the end of the day. And that was cool. And we were commissioned by UEA to get like a nice feel-good, upbeat account of the day. Um, and the department had actually got a student film, sort of internal student film company to film it as well. And in spite of them having a camera here, 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 uh, here <laughs> and here, um, they missed the volcano. They missed the fireworks somehow. Um, don't know how, but they missed it. And we um, basically we were tasked to come in and uh, provide some of our footage because, in spite of our solitary camera here, we were able to get it, and we were able to provide it. And we did so for free, like we didn't charge them, we didn't take the piss out of them, we just said, all right, fine, these things happen, here you go, have, have a footage. Um, but unbeknownst to us, that kind of set in motion uh, bigger and greater things, and that simple act of kindness would ripple outwards from there. Because we were uh, contacted by uh, the head of the department, Professor Jenny Barclay, who we've worked with for years now, and is kind of a good friend of mine now, and she asked us, would you like to make a film for us in the Caribbean? <laughs> and we said, yeah, all right. <laughs> I suppose. Um, and that was the start of how a company based in one of the flattest parts of the UK would start a career in risk communication work, which is not the kind of thing you could put in the, in the business plan. Um, so our first assignment was indeed in the Caribbean uh, to the volcano that the firework display was modelled on in the island of St Vincent and the Grenadines, somewhere where that red spot is. Uh, the volcano here is called La Soufrière and it erupted in 1979 and these are some of my nice holiday snaps um, from the phone. Um, and the volcano erupted in 1979, also erupted in 1902 and when it did in 1902 it killed uh, 1,700 people. Um, and as we know back then of course people would have told their stories, it would have very much been a case of passing down from generation to generation how you should prepare, how you should um, ensure that these kind of things don't happen and indeed in 79 there were no fatalities but given this is now nearly 40 years ago um, 
our task was to capture the stories and immortalise them for those that have lived through the disaster and have um, stories, advice, experiences to pass down. Because, of course, with it being nearly 40 years, there's a whole generation of people who now live in the shadow of this thing with this awesome power but don't truly understand, perhaps, what it's capable of. So this is, this is actually inside the crater um, where we broke a bit of gear. Um, and it's not bubbling lava and stuff like you'd imagine. It's actually pretty cold. It's like being in the Lake District. It was cold and wet and windy and foggy. Um, and we've been up since two in the morning. So, yeah, but smiling non nonetheless. Um, so uh, we were able to, I think, with the real privilege to be able to take the stories of those that lived through it and actually be able to immortalise it so we could pass it down for future generations. I think that was really important to us. But more than that, we wanted to help people feel empowered and better understand the world around them. So as part of that, we also produced some slightly more scientific, slightly more technical um, pieces, but they were all still aimed at accessibility and it was still aimed, you still come down in very human, normal language and it was around helping people better understand the environment in which they lived. Um, so And using um, techniques like this, compositing to actually help something that well, it's a, it's a volcano dome, so it's not entirely unremarkable, but how something unremarkable can have some quite remarkable things buried underneath the surface. Um, and that's all very good, and this is probably one of, the, um, one of the first takeaways, and the great thing about working with academics is that they love data, um, and we should love data more. Um, it's, it's one thing for us to make a nice, pretty video and put it out there, put it on YouTube and wait for the world to come, um, as, as I think quite often is the case, but um, that just isn't good enough and we should be measuring what we're doing. So this is uh, YouTube's bubble metric, which I think is the best reflection of what we're trying to do. Of course, the island of St. Vincent doesn't have a big population, but the biggest bubble on this chart is from St. Vincent, which is a, a combination of number of views and length of time watched. And the bubble below it is the United States of America. So you can see how there's a very, very high level of engagement from those who were affected by some of the stories we were telling. Um, this is Canada, don't know why. Um, they're obviously pretty into it. And um, Barbados, who again, being a neighbouring island, similar, um, similar kind of conditions, who could also find um, some stories to take away from it. So that was uh, the first one we've done. Then in 2015, we went to Colombia, uh, which again, Pretty, pretty nice, more holiday snaps. Um, but this time, this is a nice one as well, taking the um, drone out um, to the local school. Uh, this time, the eruption happened in 1985, but this time the evidence of it was far more real. This was the town of Armero, in which 3,000 people lost their lives overnight. Um, because it, it, uh, the actual hazard in question is called a lahar, which is a combination of all the heat and activity at the top of the volcano, which is a very, very high one, melts the ice, which in turn leads to kind of a silent avalanche, literally ripped through the um, village, um, killing almost everybody. And it's, as I'm sure you can imagine, it's a pretty haunting place to be even 30 years later. And that's why we were there. 30 years on, it's still a very raw, um, very sensitive subject for a lot of Colombians. And again, another privilege for us to be able to tell their story. Um, and this time, slightly different uh, sort of tactic technique in terms of how we're trying to do it. We're always trying to push the university to evolve the format. So this time, we kind of almost think of it as like past, present, and future. So the first of the three films that we did was Remembering 1985, and it was just that. It was 
about those who lived through it, um, about telling those stories again and ensuring that future generations learn the lessons of the past. Uh, this is Living with the Volcano, which is a sort of more of a celebration of those who, who still live in the area. And they don't live in the area because they're stupid or because they don't, aren't aware of the danger they're in, but because they can't because their families are there, because their livelihoods are there, and, and yes, they accept the dangers, but they have no choice. And then we often work with, um, uh, with the SGC, as it was there, which is the kind of local geological society, on uh, looking toward the future. And this is how uh, the geological society are actually um, empowering people to understand what is going on with volcanic activity and how they're monitoring it going forward. And again, bubble project, once again, um, Colombia, again, a bigger country than St. Vincent, but the key thing is the engagement is there. Um, and the really cool thing about this particular project um, is the, again, working with academics they, uh, and social scientists is that we get in-depth sentiment analysis. So we can see the change that we're making. And that's why, again, we're big believers in videos telling stories because then you can really start to affect change. This is a photo from the film screening in Lerida in Colombia. Um, I wish we could have gone, sadly we can't, but looks like it was a laugh. Um, and people actually came out, including some of those who were in the film um, to come see the films. And again, I've heard that at the end, all the people who were in it got standing ovation, it all sounds great. Um, what's really cool is that Anna Hicks, one of the researchers we work with, has actually written papers on the work and the impact it's had. So if you remember, film one was around remembering the volcano, and this is some of the sentiment analysis around it. Naturally, the predominant emotion, 51%, is one of sadness, um, need for self-protection, fatalism, you know, negative emotions, and um, a curious 5% of people feeling optimistic. Um, but then if you look at film two, which is around the current day, completely flipped around. Optimism, 65%. So you can see how in that one session, watching one video back to back, people's emotions and people's uh, perception of something can be changed completely by how you present the information and how you tell the story. Again, uh, with film three, this was about the geological society. They feel supported, the need for self-protection, need more information and training. Again, that frankly is, is the desired response. That's what they wanted to get out of it and they wanted to kind of forge more of a link with the local community because there was a lot of resentment, of course, with a lot of people dead and a feeling that they hadn't done enough. And then uh, they were finally asked what they would do um, having seen these, what are the actions you would take? And again, the um, desired response, a general preparedness, keep informed, listen for alerts, comply with instructions, all the kind of desired outcomes that people are looking for. So, um, of course, I'm not going to stand up here and say that our videos are the only tool they've got in their arsenal, but I think just in the, in the space of one screening of an hour, you can really dig into how people respond to information if it's presented in the correct way. Um, 2016, yeah crap wasn't it really um, and we didn't do any any video projects either um, but some cool stuff was happening uh, University of Bristol we got the attention of them and um, the volcanic UK community is quite small um, and the, uh, as it happens um, and the rather brilliantly named Sir Steve Sparks um, who li literally halfway through working with him got knighted next sat next to Ringo Starr you know um, that's how like much of a badass he is and then Falconology um, got in touch about doing uh, yet another project um, and I thought it was a, at this time I actually show some video because we, we did make some videos. Um, this is just a really short teaser trailer which kind of gives you a bit of a flavour of what we got to last year. It's a very resilient people that can survive after a volcano. 
you lose your land, you lose your house, you lose your way of life, you lose your friends, you lose your cattle, you lose your town, you lose your country. What else can you lose? It's one of the most brutal forces of nature that any country can experience. It takes and it gives. It's so unpredictable and it's so lethal, but it's so beautiful to look at. Devil in disguise. So yeah, yeah. Again, um, it was great. This was uh, a, new, a brand new project. Um, no, okay. It's a brand new project that took us to uh, back to the Caribbean, an island called Montserrat. Uh, again, this is the town of Plymouth, um, completely buried underneath ash. Um, and because it's a British colony, you've got stuff like old British phone boxes and Barclays Bank and stuff. It's a really surreal experience, um, but it, it's still there. And it's it's a it's the only uh, capital ghost town in the world. Um, and Ecuador. Uh, which was a cool um, guinea pigs there. Jason <laughs> fancies one. Um, so yeah, we got to do that, and we were scheduled to go to the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo, but that didn't happen because bad stuff. Um, so yeah, we still we haven't got there. We might do. We might do one day. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, as an employer, that makes me a bit nervous. Um, so. Uh, this time we were producing videos that were about specific hazards. So this time it was um, taking the stories that might have happened on what, in one part of the world, so Caribbean, Ecuador, DRC, maybe someday, um, and helping people in other parts of the world who might themselves be affected by it, better understand it, better prepare for it, and better know what to do. So again, that same act, simple act of storytelling can ripple outwards um, enormously. This time, the, uh, focusing on three hazards, ashfall, lahars, and pyroclastic flows. Um, top marks, you're listening in geography if you know what they, what they are. Um, and they are all finished and they are all just recently launched um, on Vimeo. Um, it's a bit too early to say what the results are. However, um, because of the recent eruption in Guatemala, uh, Fuego, it's recently erupted, uh, I was told recently that one of the videos got 2.4 million hits. So that's kind of good. Um, well, no. Bad, but you know it's good in terms of uh, people. Are, people are turning to the right places to get information. Um, so, oh, it is on here. Oh yeah, there we are. Um, so the marketing bit, very quickly, because um, I've realised I've probably running over a bit on time. Um, this is a human brain, and although the world we live in has changed a great deal over the millennia, this hasn't. Um, and it's split broadly into three parts. You know, I'm not a brain surgeon, but um, bear with me. Uh, the reptilian brain here in the middle is the part of the brain that controls uh, really simple base emotions, survival, sex, reproduction, all that stuff. You know, you need that to have got as far as you have, um, evolutionary speaking. Uh, the mammalian brain in the middle is the one that controls uh, and records emotion. So we share this with um, cats, dogs, and apes and things. Um, and then finally, on the outer edge is the neocortex, which is reserved for higher functions, the power to speak, the power to use language, and it is found in apes, but of course is particularly in gourds and developed in humans. And the reason I give you this quick biology lesson is because uh, when you speak, of course, you are using the neocortex, I'm using mine right now. But what you as the audience are doing is listening to me with your mammalian brain. So. Uh, 
your listening less to what I'm saying, but more how you feel about it, whether you think you can trust me, whether, you, whether this is relevant to you. And, it, and whatever way you slice it, we all, uh, we all interpret information on an emotional level and then we later justify with logic. We're all creatures at the end of the day. And this simple fact is what we try to put at the um, core of almost everything we do. And I think um, some of the examples we've walked through show that how um, emotion plays such a big part in that. And when you, when you open that up into, um, into buying decisions as well, it's the same thing. Um, you know, how many people here by way of hands have, have bought something they probably shouldn't have done? A bit expensive, a bit silly, but you did it anyway, right? Mammalian brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's precisely for these reasons that, that we kind of feel that like what we do, this, this project's kind of helped us really like reevaluate what we do and um, you know, maybe we've got kind of a bit sort of hippie about it, but I think we're much more um, mindful about the impact that video can make. And, you know, it, you just need to look at the um, impact that this uh, program has had on the whole debate around plastics. And we now look at what we do as a means to start to change people's views, start to do a positive, uh, start to do positive things. We're doing more passion projects with um, organisations like the Feed, we're helping to support them, and we basically we become better people as a as an outcome of doing that. Um, and I don't think that's that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, the, the the point being that um, it can be tremendously powerful. Um, and I think and, and keeping it based on that emotion, keeping it based on that story, I think is key. We we too often when we're being briefed uh, get briefs where clients want to absolutely jam pack it and load it full of information, and that's a paradox because people just simply won't take it in. Um, so again, if any of you are in a position to be briefing anything like that, I think be mindful of that and try to cut through the noise because your agency, at least in my opinion, if they're any good, should be pushing back and making sure that you can really truncate and focus the message. Um, so uh, what's next? Um, hopefully, these are all fingers crossed, of course, being recorded, but we have some uh, potential trips uh, lined up in Hawaii. There's been a lot of lava around that way lately. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> There could be a lava film in the development and actually have some cool shit to film this time uh, because it's always been in the past. Um, also, uh, there's some good stuff happening in Japan, uh, vol volcanically speaking. Um, <laughs> Italy, Singapore and, uh, and Vanuatu. Um, and it's been a privilege to be able to tell the stories of those who've lived through these things. And uh, I guess we're kind of fortunate because there's 1,500 active volcanoes in the world. Um, so hopefully we won't be out of work anytime soon. So yeah. That's me. Thank you very much.